You're listening to the Rua Space Podcast. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Rua Space Podcast, where we help you make space for the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in your everyday life. I'm Phil. And I'm Erin. And welcome to part three of exploring the book of Revelation, kind of the first Bible study that we've done on the podcast. And we are going through the different chapters of Revelation, um, up through chapter 11 right here on the podcast, and then the rest of the study, as well as some practices like guided meditation and prayer and such, are over on Patreon, which you can find the link to below. And we highly recommend checking that out because for a few dollars a month, you get access to some amazing exclusive content. But today we are in part two of looking at the seven churches that this letter was written to in chapters two and three. Yes, we're going to pick up with the church at Pergamum today. We we covered Ephesus and Smyrna last time. Yes. And uh, it took us a lot longer than we thought. Absolutely. <laughs> There's so much to say about these churches. It's hard to... Hold back and limit yourself. It is. And I think we're actually going to look at Pergamum and Thyatira together um, because the issues that they're facing are pretty similar. So Jesus commends both of them and then he challenges something that he has an issue with. So the big issue for both of them that I that I see is Pergamum is, you know, Jesus is saying like, wow, you're, you're doing a great job. You're, you know, you're sticking with me faithfully. But you're allowing people who, um, oh, let's see how they were to indulge that Balaam crowd. So, so you're allowing people who are following false gods to stick around and be part of the gang, so to speak. And then Thyatira, did I say that right? Yeah. Thyatira, yeah, okay, yeah. I'm not going <laughs> to do that a second time. Um, so the church of Thyatira is the same thing, except they're letting Jezebel, who is saying she's a prophet, get in the way and start leading people, misdirecting them, misguiding them, so to speak. Yeah. And in both cases, it's very unlikely that these were actually the names of the people doing this in these churches. Really? Yeah. Because look at both of the names, right? So everyone who just listened, you can either look in your Bible in chapter two. Who are both these people that they mentioned? Old Testament. Yeah, people who caused these issues in the Old Testament. So I think, again... Oh, it's a huge analogy. Yeah, the okay. author is saying so that... Per- See, because that's the whole thing about Revelation, again, that we talked about in episode one, is that it wants you to feel something. So the original audience would have been like, oh, we hate Jezebel. Like, she's the one who killed all the prophets and mm-hmm. led our country astray and, like, caused everything to fall apart. Yeah. Oh, that's the person we're following. Oh, Balaam. Oh, Balak. Oh, I know those stories. And then they realize exactly what it is Jesus is talking about. Mm. So most likely, again, John is using these Old Testament characters, these figures, these, these people to make a point about the modern day, mainly being these people are practicing what's called syncretism, where you take different faiths and different philosophies and you jam them together and you're like, oh yeah, these can work no problem. You can worship Jesus and you can go ahead and go to the local temple and worship Zeus and Baal and you can worship um, the emperor and whoever it may be. It's no problem. Okay. All right. So you can see that today in you know, conversations about merging religions and, oh, it's okay 
to bring Buddhism into Christianity or, you know, whatever the mashup is, the fusion. It is. And, it, and in some cases, there's okay, because if there's if there's something true, right? Like we have yoga, for example, where we do Christian yoga. And I wouldn't call that syncretism because we aren't taking parts that would be against Jesus. We are recognizing the truth and goodness that's in it. Um, but that obviously can happen today. I would say... The deeper issue, at least that I'm experiencing and I experienced in my past and I'm experiencing in the church at large right now is the worship of God and country or the worship of God and career or the worship of God and money or God and consumerism or God and sex. Like, yeah, you can be a Christian and you can like do a little bit of false dealing on the side if that's what it takes to like pay your bills mm. or, oh yeah, yeah, you can be a Christian and it's okay to hate and everyone who doesn't agree with your politics, right? Like mm. that's more of the, that's kind of the underhanded syncretism that we would probably see more frequently today because we don't have temples to Baal mm, and we would say, well, how ridiculous to go to a temple of Baal. Well, but we have the malls and right. we have... We have the sporting arenas and we have the political yeah. rallies. And, and you know, one thing I did say in my Reintroducing Revelation book, which we try not to overlap too much material, is people today laugh at, not laugh, because that, that's kind of morbid, but they scoff, I guess, at, well, how did ancient people ever sacrifice their children to Baal or to um, Molech or whatever, whatever God may be, right? Mm-hmm. Um how could they ever sacrifice their children? That's so barbaric. You know, as Christians stay, we would never do that. And one thing I would say is, but how many children have been sacrificed on the altar of you getting to the next ladder in your career, mm-hmm. the next rung and ladder? How mm-hmm. many children have been sacrificed on the altar of money? How many children have been sacrificed on the altar of comfort, security, entertainment, whatever? Like right. those are the gods that we need to watch out for today. Which is tricky because we don't... Uh we don't overtly worship them or talk about it that way. So I think that makes it a little tricky, but that's something to chew on for sure is to, to look around and see what in your life has become comfortable and normal that when you place it next to the teachings of Christ and Jesus, it, it's a kind of stark comparison to what Christ is teaching. And that's probably a good heads up that that would be something to part ways with. Right. If you want to heed the warnings here that were given to Pergamum and Thyatira. Yeah. You know, it really reminds me of uh, Proverbs where they talk about lady wisdom and lady folly. And um, lady folly mimics lady wisdom. Lady wisdom being the way to God and the way to true life. And lady folly does a lot of the same things. But Proverbs is like, yeah, but there's only death in there. Like yeah. they're, they're being led to a place that mimics it, that makes yeah. it look like, yeah, if you come here, this is where the good life is at. This is where you'll finally have the peace and comfort and security you always wanted. This is where your life will be good. You, this is just the way things are. You have to participate. And that was the temptation here too. In a place like Thyatira or even in Pergamum and other places, like one of the issues that the churches would have faced is trade guilds, for example, Um, my understanding is that to work in one of them would have been very difficult for some people because the work was often dedicated to a certain God, Mm -hmm. or there would have been certain parts of being a part of it that you would have thought, oh man, this is really going against my Christianity. This is really going against my, not not even Christianity being so important, but my following of Jesus. And so then people are having to choose between, do I pay my bills or do I become an outcast? And the paying the bills is the syncretism. 
the, oh yeah, Jesus and this, and the being at home unable to work is the, oh yeah, I'm going to follow the way of Jesus and trust God. And I mean, I think this is why it's so important that the promises to these churches are, look at uh, verse 17. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. This is the Pergamum. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna. So God is saying, to him who overcomes, I will provide you your food. Mm. And then at the end of the the church to Thyatira, um, he says, to him who overcomes and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations, power, mm. um, security. And what is it the people were, were possibly compromising their faith over? Oh, in order to get food, in order to not be an outcast in order to have some semblance of control over my life i have to go along with these other gods or i lose that and jesus is saying actually by going along with them is how you lose it mm-hmm. by overcoming and staying true to my ways of love and peace and justice and we're not just talking philosophy here what they said or what they thought right the 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 worshiping other gods had other things that came with it very against jesus right the empire as a whole was very against the way of jesus they used violence to bring peace and jesus is like no don't join in those ways i'll give you hidden manna Mm. I will give you authority. They seem like they're in power now, but you'll have authority. So I feel like the promises match up with probably the temptations they were facing that were then leading them into these lives of death and destruction. Yeah. So moving on to the church in Sardis, they are, um, I I was going to say accused. I don't know what that might be. (laughs) That's kind of the wrong word, I suppose. But Um, They're told, I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Mm. Wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. And it almost makes me wonder, as you were talking about the trade guilds and everything, if that might not have also been an issue going on in Sardis. Um, and also, you might hear our cat Mozart purring. He's very badly wanted to be on the podcast for some time right now. now. <laughs> so we're letting him stay. So that could be the low rumble that oh, you're yeah. hearing in the background. My apologies. <laughs> um, yeah, but that I, it, it just kind of makes me wonder, as you were talking about those trade guilds and how to have a business and maintain your standing in society and be able to pay your bills, you would you would have to sign up for this trade guild or you wouldn't be able to do your trade. Right. And and this idea that Sardis, um, they have a reputation of being alive. So other people look at them and see them as believers, Mm. but God looks and says, But you're dead. You're not Mm -hmm. you're not doing works that are complete in my sight. You're not you're not doing essentially what I've required of you. And it makes me wonder, and of course I'm speculating here because um I'm not a part of the church in Sardis, but it <laughs> obviously. Um, but it does it does make me just kind of wonder, like, well, have they have they been doing what they needed to do, and yet it's making them into somebody who is not actually alive in Christ anymore? Because I think we're used, you know, we're we're taught about compromises, right? It's part of early education, even. Um, but there are some things that we aren't supposed to compromise on. There are pillars of our faith, um, morals, ethics that we are intended to uphold and adhere by, even if it's not comfortable. And that takes us back to, I mean, that's what was happening in the Church of Smyrna, right? Like we talked about in the previous podcast, 
you've got a church, it wasn't all going pleasant for them. They were sticking to it and it was really tough, but they had an act of faith. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know what your thoughts are on. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that's right. And I think one of the issues that at least comes to mind for me is the whole idea of you have a reputation of being alive, but are dead. This reminds me of Jesus teaching on, you can tell a tree by its fruit. Mm. So a little bit to me, like, Hey, I go to church every Sunday. I, you can see me singing all the songs. I volunteer to help. You know, I've got all the outward things, but my life isn't really any different than anyone else's. It reminds me too of a parable Peter Rollins tells of a guy who's living, it's a parable, right? So it's a fake world. And there's this guy who's living in a place where it's illegal to be a Christian. And so they bring him before the court and the prosecution gets all this evidence of this man being a Christian and they bring his Bible and it's all marked up, right? And they show that he goes to church on Sunday and he shows up at such and such Bible study. I don't know all the details of the parable just off the top of my head, but the point is the guy's sitting there sweating, thinking, I am so guilty. Like they have my Bible. They have the fact that I sing worship songs. They know I go to Bible study, like I'm done. And the judge declares him innocent. And the judge is basically like, we're not worried about you reading a Bible or singing on Sunday. When you actually start doing things like Jesus did, then we're going to be upset. Mm. So it's sort of like when you actually start loving your enemies and serving the outcasts and welcoming in those that everyone else pushes out. When you start speaking up for justice, when you leave the system and say, that is wrong. I'm not going to participate. I'm not going to give my money to it or my time. Then you start up upending the apple cart mm. and now they're upset. But you can read whatever books you want, right? I mean, even the demons know who Jesus is, right? But they clearly don't follow him. And I feel a little bit like this is what that reminds me of, is you have a reputation for being alive. You guys have an amazing worship band. You have underlines throughout your Bible. You're in all the Bible studies. But your life looks just like someone who doesn't know Jesus other than that. You do all the same things as them. It hasn't made a difference. In the message translation, he says ruined themselves wallowing in the muck of the world's ways yeah that they they haven't followed christ to an extent where they are no longer being soiled by the corruption the politics the oppression system that's happening in their region they are still such a part of it that aside from calling themselves a church they are looking shockingly like everybody else you know what it might be like it might be like having a gym membership where you go every day to like do a small workout but then you leave and you eat mcdonald's and drink dr pepper and uh watch tv all night and only sleep a couple hours and you never get out of your chair the rest of the it's sort of like it's sort of like those 30 minutes like you have an appearance of look i'm here every day i'm so fit but 99% of your life looks just like someone who would be unfit. And therefore, nothing ever changes because you're not really doing the thing. You're not really doing the process. And I feel like that's what it can be like. And so again, our encouragement and challenge in this would not be looking at other churches. It would maybe be looking at my own life and saying, do I look any different than my non-believing neighbors? Mm -hmm. If someone looked at my actions, if I charted my day, and charted my resource use and did the same for all my neighbors and you got rid of all of our names. So it was an anonymous thing. Like someone audited all of our lives and put them down on a sheet. Would yours stand out as different in a way that skews toward Jesus as compared to your neighbors? Mm -hmm. 
Because that's the point where all the surface stuff disappears, is the real life of Jesus. Because that's going to make you uncomfortable. It's going to make you stand out. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do we have that? And like we talked about, if, you're, if any of it is resonating with you, the encouraging thing about this is God is pointing this out to these churches and to us today because there's hope for change and for a different outcome. Yeah. He he warns that if you continue this way, if especially I think when we become aware of it and we're no longer ignorant to the fact, then if you continue doing as you were doing, it's very clear your your candle's going to be unlit. Oh, it's blown out. Thank you. <laughs> I had the image but not the word. Okay. Um, you know, so but again, if you turn yourself around, if you change, if you see this in yourself and you heed the warning, he says conquerors will march in the victory parade, their names indelible in the book of life. I'll lead them up and present them by name to my father and his angels. Are your ears awake? Listen. I just think that's really Yeah. It gives so much hope, right? It like does. nobody is too far gone. There is hope for all of us. And there's seven churches. I don't know about you, Phil, but for me, when I read through this, there's a couple that resonate with me for different reasons. And even if it's a small, like, stirring in your heart, I I would encourage you to really take heed of that. Explore the feeling. Think about it. Revelation is supposed to pierce you. Yes. And make you feel something. Okay, so Philadelphia. Are you ready for Philadelphia? This relates to Sardis and the others a little bit in the sense that they're on the other side. They have not compromised. Mm. They do stand out. And because they stand out, they've been shut out. Mm. They don't have power. This is one of the two churches that still has their their candle lit right yeah you know jesus talks about how um you know uh he who opens the the doors no one can shut um i know your deeds i've placed before you an open door so see what he's sort of saying is the people who have endured patiently who have stayed true who have stuck out by not participating are shut out of the system but what even says i know you have but little power and yet you have kept my word and not denied my name which think about that. If we live so differently and not look like everyone else, it means we can't buy the same things. We can't spend our time doing the same things. We can't look the same. And that means some things are going to be more difficult. But the beauty of what Jesus promises is that he who overcomes, I'll make a pillar in the temple of my God. The temple being the place where God dwells. So basically like God's building this house where God dwells and you're not just a part of it. You're the thing that holds up the whole thing. Mm. So that is the promise that they're given is you are actually powerful, not in the eyes of the world as they see it, but you actually have immense power. And that's the truth of living like Jesus. It looks odd. It looks different, but it's the way to actually make a difference in the world. Yeah. Well, because it's, allowing god to work through you too yeah yeah and then and then to get to the last church laodicea 
Um, this one is also really fascinating. This is the famous, you know, you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold. Mm. I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. And I mean, there's something to do with the architecture of the city there, I think, and aqueducts and how they got water and such. But there is this sense in which he references the fact that essentially they've been living on their own strength of, I. you say I'm rich and don't need a thing, but you don't realize that you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can be rich. White clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. So this is a city that was famous for its wealth. And I, my understanding is even like an eye salve that the city had. There was a pride here to the fact that they could do it all on their own and they don't need God. And God is sort of saying, yeah, but that's put you in a position that is untenable, unsustainable. It's not good for you. It's not good for those around you. And I think in a sense, by not relying on God at all, they now think, what do I need God for, right? This is what this is what God challenged the Israelites with, is trust me for manna every day in the wilderness, or when you get in the land and everything's good, you're going to say, I got all this by my own strength. And then what happens? You turn away. You start oppressing your neighbor. You start turning to violence. You start pushing people out who aren't as quote-unquote good as you are. They didn't work as hard as me. They didn't earn it. They're not as deserving. If they just made better choices... That's the type of stuff that starts to come out. But Jesus, in his life, goes to all those on the outside and welcomes them in. And so God is sort of here challenging them. Remember, everything you have is a gift. Mm. Don't think you're better than someone. Don't think it's because of your own strength or wonderful uh, mental abilities that got you here. But come back to me. Trust that it all came from me. And when you know it's all from God, I think you can live with a little bit more of an open hand. Because you're not grasping it all. It's mine, mine, mine. It's I've been given this and now I can give freely. Mm-hmm. I think in my Bible, I have Laodicea circled and then I have America question mark yeah. written. Yeah. And you know that this Bible was with me when we lived in Africa. And I know exactly when I wrote that <sighs> because this was the first time when I read this part, we had been there a couple months by that point. And that was the first time that I actually recognized that mm. this was the way I grew up because mm. we we were well provided for. Yeah. And I think there are some in America, perhaps some of you who, who are listening, who have had times of true struggle. And because of that, you're able to look around and see God's providence in your life and that he is the source of what you have. I think for many of us, Culturally, especially if you're in the middle class or upper middle class, it it kind of seems like our right or this is how it is or and look down well, on those whose educa- decisions have been education as good. got us here right. or what have you. And yeah. there is truth to that. I'm not saying yeah, we have to there be good stewards, sure. But um, yeah, I think it was when we were in when we were in Africa that was the first time I realized just how much this passage could apply to me as an American because yeah. for the for most of us, at least for me, I, I have food. Mm. And when my pantry gets empty, I have a store I can go to and I pick up whatever I need. And it starts to feel like a me thing because, well, did we make enough money to go get the food? Okay, we'll go pick up our food. And when we were in Africa, you could have the money and you could yeah. go to the store and there could be nothing there. You could do everything right and your crop still dies and or your child it, still dies. It was, it was a lifestyle where everything was so far out of your control. Yeah. You couldn't be able mm-hmm. to be responsible for anything, even if you were 
the most forward thinking person ever and had it all planned to a T. It was, there were too many variables outside of your control. And um, so, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, everything is a gift. And I think stewardship, as you mentioned, ought to lead us to greater gratitude, Mm -hmm. not greater pride, if that makes sense. Um, Pride in the negative sense of pride. Um, That it should make us realize that we're taking care of something so precious, not hoarding something that we've earned. Um, so with that friends, I mean, I think our, we've talked about a lot of difficult things today and that's, that's revelation. That's the reality of it. But in our next episode, we're going to bring you to the encouragement because after all this tough stuff, God takes us to the throne room to bring peace and to show us the truth. But I would encourage you again to sit with these as you are listening or as you read this, does any of them pierce your heart a little bit or give you a feeling in your stomach or make your brain perk up a little bit? I would encourage you to dive deeper into that and ask God to reveal, to give you the eyes to see and the ears to hear what you might be challenged to do. So friends, thank you for joining us. Go ahead and check out that link at Patreon below, and we will see you in the next episode. Grace and peace be with you.